Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Piggy mai, kake mai, and welcome to Our Changing World from RNZ National. Take a super ripe banana some cabbage, maybe a bit of Play-Doh and one of your friends. Connect them all with wires and voila, you can use them to play a tune. A fruit and veggie piano is just one of the things students from St. Teresa's Primary School got to create during a Mind Lab visit to explore how technology can support learning. Veronica joins them and meets Mind Lab founder Francis Valentine. So today we've got St. Teresa's School in, and they're visiting as part of a school group. Um, and what, what we do within the Mind Lab across the country is school groups come in, and as part of their curriculum, they're looking at the topics that are actually being taught at their school at the time. And then they'll come in here and expand further into looking at creative ways of bringing those subjects to life. So we've got the, the group here has been divided into three. Uh, we have one group are doing stop motion stories, so they're doing little animations using little, like, little theatre sets, if you can imagine, like a, almost like a dollhouse type, type scale, and they create these stories and bring them to life. The second group here are using what we call Makey Makeys, and they're like a little uh, Arduino or a, like an electronic kit that they, they connect to a, a laptop, and they're making musical instruments. And so they're actually programming very simplistic code to make musical instruments and be able to play them. And so these are all primary school kids, right? Yes, yeah. and actually it's the same way we teach nine-year-olds, the same way we teach 65-year-old teachers. Actually, it's, it's all done through hands-on learning. The way we teach is a problem-based learning. So they basically would look at the challenge from a, how do I solve it? And so rather than instructionally led and follow the leader, it's actually saying, how can you collaborate together and actually solve this problem? And so normally you'll find those who have got high levels of capability will share their knowledge with other, their friends, uh, and then they sort of share between them, and then they kind of help each other out. And we're there to sort of guide and coach them. And then actually here we have a third group who are working with robotics today. So they would work at creating simplistic robotics who could go around and follow instructions to create, maybe pick up cups or navigate a course, and they're having to code that program as well. So it's a really lovely way to get introduced to coding without sort of the fear of sitting and looking at programming languages. been up to? Well, we've been um, programming the robot and making um, sort of downloading it so it can turn and then it's now gone all bonkers and it. <laughs> so you're working. But you got it moving, eh? Um, yeah, at least we got it moving. There you turn, go, that's pretty impressive. Turn, 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 turn! See? That's the thing. Not quite turning when you tell it to? Yeah. Do you think it'll get there though? Eh? Oh, I know what we've done wrong. I think we haven't been pointing it downwards. He said to point it downwards onto the ground. That's what we've done wrong. Okay, try that. Try and see what happens. What you described before, this learning by actually solving a problem, I guess that's what's behind MindLab, really. Is that the original idea? Really, it's based on three pillars. We have the wonderment or wonder, to wonder about how things might work and sort of getting under the bonnet and saying, what is it that actually makes uh, this work? not just accepting that it works. 
The other is to ponder, which we see is quite different. So pondering is like, well, how can we do it differently? So this car has been propelled by, for example, it may be propelled by friction. How will we propel a car if we only had a rubber band? What kind of science would be behind that? Uh, and the third one is actually just the pillar of, the pillar of discovery and saying, actually, if you learn through fixing and failing and then fixing and failing and then actually what you're happening is the iteration process means that you really understand what is behind it but also you can then build from it because actually you know that by failing actually you learn more things and you can progress forward and it's something I think that historically we've been very good at growing up in sort of in our back gardens and things but as time's gone on and technology's become much more sort of intuitive we've sort of lost that ability to kind of jump in behind the scenes and say why does it do that? And so we're really bringing that curiosity out of children. Can you talk me through what made you set up MindLab? What were you doing before? So I've been an educator for over 20 years, uh, always in the intersection between technology and education. I'm actually an education futurist. So what I do is I look into the future and say, what are the skills and capabilities we need for the future workforce? So previously to this, I was the CEO of Media Design School, a school that was entirely based upon students, tertiary students going into the film animation game industries. Uh, so that was, again, before the sector actually grew in New Zealand, the qualifications had to be there. And actually what I realised going back a few years ago is that actually we've, we've gone into this world of technology in the schools, but actually the understanding and confidence of teachers was actually very low. And so there was a real fear that I had that if you only use technology as a consumer all the magic goes and actually we're going to lose student achievement levels. All you're doing is substitution. So you're going from pen and paper to a laptop maybe as a sort of to use Excel or to, to do Word. But actually a laptop or access to a device brings an entirely new world of learning. You can Skype experts around the world. You can go into Google Maps and explore sites. You can make 3D models of houses that you, you know, may be studying Roman history and doing. you want to build a building. You can make stop motion uh, creations or computer, create computer games. There's no end of things you can do with technology, but you do need to understand the, the basic tools to get there. You're doing all of this outside of a school environment. How can you bring the two together? Because obviously you want as many kids coming through here as possible. So we actually teach 40,000 children a year, but actually the impact that we can have on one child by coming once or twice a year is, is limited. So what we realised early on is actually it's really important that we educate their teachers. So we've actually got New Zealand's largest postgraduate programme in digital and collaborative learning, which we launched uh, almost two years ago. So currently, uh, we have about 1,400 teachers have gone through that program. We have uh, another three or 400 starting in four weeks. And that program, regardless of where you are in New Zealand, means that teachers can come in face-to-face -face working alongside other teachers from their region. Post, if this is in primary, secondary environments. And actually, they're learning how to implement um, learning in their classroom. But so also, they come in here into the same they rooms the and same physical, facilities? They come into the physical labs. Um, sometimes they run from local high schools or local primary schools in some of the smaller regions like Whanganui or Whangarei, Rotorua. Um, but where we have a physical lab, they physically come in, uh, but they're all face-to-face -face at least four hours a week. And that's our 32-week program. So these are teachers who are giving up their evenings or the weekend to continue their studies. We also have a very strong leadership focus in that program because actually some of this, the hurdles for a teacher is actually feeling really confident leading change because there's still uh, a lot of misconception in, around the parenting community or the you know, parents in general saying, you know, how do we know that technology is going to enhance their learning and it's not just going to be a distraction?
My name's Nathan Russell, and I'm the Deputy Principal at Ferguson Intermediate, Napahut. I pretty much got into technology when the first teller teacher laptop scheme came out and teachers were given laptops, you know. The, one of the first things I did was uh, I was interested in making videos with kids, so I made lots of those, came back really excited, shared that with staff, and then I just got, sort of got on a roll from there and was just really, saw how motivated kids were, how excited kids were, and then, uh, you know, I just wanted to try and use as much technology as I could in the classroom with them, you know, just to engage them, just to motivate them. And then you decided to go through this postgraduate training? Yeah, so last year I decided to do the... Um, yeah, the postgrad course uh, on the Mind Lab. So what I um, did from there is I actually uh, managed to make a couple of connections with three other educators in Upper Hutt. So we met regularly each week and looked at the assignments and discussed readings and uh, collaborated on the assignments together and and that sort of thing. And that was really really valuable as well. And from there. How can you then pass that on? I actually did the course from a deputy principal's point of view. I had to, I've got to run lots of workshops and staff meetings. Um, one of my roles here at Ferguson is around e-learning and and leading e-learning, and uh, so. By doing the MindLab course, it opened my mind to all the different types of innovative and digital tools you can use. I then took that information back to school, and then I was running workshops and, and staff meetings here at school and sharing that with teachers. Um, and then they were taking some of that stuff that I've shared with them and then back to the classroom. One of the best ones that I did with teachers was one around um, augmented reality. And uh, we looked at um, an app called Erasma, Teachers were absolutely blown away by it. The fact that you know you could take an image, for example, a kid's piece of art, and you put the app over the top, and you could actually have the kid talking about the piece of art. So if a parent came in, used the app, held it over the piece of art, they could actually see the student talking in a video about their art and you know, what inspired them to do it and those sorts of things. Yeah, there's a whole range of different things that uh, I've brought back and used in the classroom. How important do you think it is for kids going through school now? I mean, I personally believe that, you know, when kids leave school, they're going into a highly technological world. You know, there's social media, there's going to be computers and phones, and they've got to be digitally savvy using technology. And, you know, kids are motivated, they're engaged about using technology. So I think as a classroom, it's important that we bring that technology into the classrooms to make our lessons and, and learning motivating and engaging for them. the same devices for entertainment. You know, it's the same device they're going on to YouTube and playing games all night. It's the same device we want to use productively in the classroom. And I always liken it to sort of being on a diet, going to the fridge, and they can choose to eat the good things in the, in the fruit drawer, or you can eat the bad things on the top shelves. And we need to make sure that parents understand there's a big difference between you know, what you can do, which can be really good and really enriching the educational experience, even after school. You know, it's really carrying education back into the home. But yes, it is a distraction. If you, if you end up three hours playing Minecraft or, you know, three hours watching cat videos on YouTube, then it is an issue. Now, back to that educational futurist, what is the kind of skill that you think these children here, who are nine or ten years old now, possibly even younger, what will they need? What so are you trying to teach them now? So we're actually living in an exponential time right now. So the technologies that are really shaping our future uh, have been around now for 20 years. And they are things like the 3D printing, artificial intelligence, virtual reality. We're moving into autonomous vehicles. You know, we've got drones affecting 
logistics are changing, distribution models are changing, everything is sort of linking back to apps, retailers moving off physical spaces more and more online, banks are closing and going into, into virtual banks. Literally every entire industry has changed. And so there isn't really a safe gig anymore in terms of a career. So what we need to make sure is that these students have a really strong adaptability, uh, that they actually have a resilience that actually they don't feel like they're going to fall over if suddenly that the career they've been developing, this capability, actually takes a sort of a zigzag to a slightly different direction because a technology is changing what they thought was a sure thing. And so we've never had that before in, in all our previous generations. It's sort of been a, a slow, um, soft and slow kind of change and people have been able to adapt as they go. But we don't be more have predictable that. as well. Far more predictable and actually, you know, so a lot of the time I talk with people, you know, people say to me and certainly in business they'll say, change appears to happen overnight and actually I always say no it takes 20 years for change to happen overnight it's just the tipping point where it becomes mainstream where suddenly the cost of it is achievable you know whether it be because computer processing has made it more accessible whether it's devices that you need to run it whether they're actually reaching the audience is more achievable but there is a tipping point but it does typically take 20 years to get there but as a consumer, you probably notice it overnight exactly. in that sense because you get, you know, you only see the tipping points. Yeah. So when you've you've got your first smartphone, you don't think about the 20 years of, of technological advances that got you to the point where they could bring a computer into a phone, bring your camera into your phone, and your video recorder and everything else into one device. What you do see is that suddenly overnight it's in the shelves on the shop. Can you guys talk me through what you're doing here? Um, so we're making a dog making picture, a dog movie. Yeah, and it's like dogs in a park playing. So you've got all these figures here, the dogs and the doll, the fences, the cupboards. Yeah. It's like balls they're balancing on the ears and tails. And one of the dogs are like, where's my ball? Yeah. So you're coming up with your own story for this? Yeah. yeah. And then what, do you have to take a picture of every scene? Yeah, so we move it a little bit and then we take a picture. Every, um, and it should make, make a movie. Dogs or people move, we have to take a, like, a picture, picture of it. And, then and it makes like a movie at the end. At the, at the end it makes them all move together. So you end up with an animated movie. Yeah. What do you think, is it fun? Yeah, <laughs> but it's a bit hard as well. So what you're saying is that these kids really, rather than teaching them specific skills... They'll need to be more adaptable than any of us before them. How can you do that in here where it is still quite specific skills? It's much more, much closer to play than the more structured learning, but it is still specific skills that they're doing here. Yes and no. I think, first of all, if you go back in history, pre, particularly pre-internet, the retention of information was really the holy grail because actually if you could retain a lot of information in your brain you had a lot more value to a company because it meant you didn't have to go off to the library or go and find an expert every time there was something that came up. So if you for example were a lawyer and you actually could recall a whole lot of case law studies and then actually you were incredibly valuable. Things changed dramatically with the internet so suddenly the retention of information and data is almost irrelevant because actually the, the most up-to-date information will be accessible online. So what you do need to be able to do is to be able to validate good data and actually say, is this, is this critical information, is this is it a reliable source of information? You certainly need literacy and numeracy to understand and do that evaluation because obviously there's a huge amount of information that's not necessarily uh, valuable. And what we're trying to teach here is saying, while we're actually showing them um, specific things like these children in front of us here who are you know, making musical instruments using electronics and computing. Actually, what we're doing is getting them to collaborate and problem solve, and that's the skill we're teaching them. We're making it really fun and enjoyable for them, 
when they leave today, they actually what they'll take with them more than anything will be the fact they worked together and they found solutions and they made musical instruments out of some very basic things, including Play-Doh as, as their keyboard. They won't necessarily remember how they did it because actually that's not the skill as, as, as important as actually saying, I could, I could take all that challenge and I could go home and try it again and problem solve in my own home and do the same thing. What about creativity or even playfulness? Yeah, it's a very, very important skill. And so you know, if you look at the stop motion group, they are entirely focused on creating their own stories. So it's really extracting that creativity and really them, having them think about how do they want to pitch their story? Who are the characters in the story? What's going to go on? What's the narrative behind it? And I think that that's something that we have to really in, as, as sort of accentuate and enhance with children, that ability, as they, particularly as they get older, when it becomes harder and harder to bring creativity to the surface because they start teaching towards the assessments, which are often... You know, a fixed answer. Uh, when they're young, you know, if we can really get that confidence built up and we try to bring it back out. And we do the same thing with our teachers. When they're here in their postgrad program in the evening studying, you know, it's a very uncomfortable place sometimes to be back into this very open-ended creative space where you're having to come up and create the answers because there is no fixed answer. And so instead of playing a piano, you could change this. Guitar. You want a guitar? Let's see. Instrument. So that's going to be a guitar sound. <laughs> so what, can you guys talk me through? What are you doing with apples and bananas and cabbage? So we use the electricity from the, the crocodile books and um, we put the blue cord into the apple and when we put the green cord onto it, it makes a sound. Like that. So it's really you're just generating the, the current with those... The virgin fruit. And Jackson, hold my hand. And then, if I just touch it, then it doesn't work. But if I hold his hand, then I can just touch it from there. And then it just works. On the electricity from Jackson to me, to this, which goes onto the earth, and then it'll go onto this. So you are, with all those bits and pieces here, the fruit and veg, and between the two of you, you can actually make a musical instrument. Yes. What do you think of that? Awesome. It's really cool because it, it, most kids don't like their vegetables, but this is another way to use them. Thanks to the fantastic kids from St. Teresa's School. And you also heard from MindLab founder Francis Valentine and the deputy principal at Ferguson Intermediate, Nathan Russell. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast. You can stay in touch with us on Twitter at RNZ underscore science. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.